0: This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by FanQuest, happening June 23rd and 24th at the Red River College Exchange District Campus. Go to fanquestcon.com for tickets and information.
1: Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Today, we thought we would try something a little different and invite our long-suffering producer. Why do you think we're all suffering? He's <laughs> suffering. Anyone who has to spend this much time with me is suffering. <laughs> and my long-suffering co-host to be on the show today, uh, Dan, uh, is going to talk... Well, we thought we'd turn the reins over to Dan. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. basically. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? I
0: I have questions for you guys I've been meaning to ask you. Now, I've learned, I have to say this, after three months of podcasting, how long have we been doing this? Yeah, we were just figuring it out, 22 episodes, something like that, right? Oh, yeah, almost three months. Um, I've, I've learned a lot about what you guys do. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do this, is just to learn more about what it means to be an artist and to sell your work at conventions and that whole thing, and we've learned a ton about that. Um, but I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about how you build your audience, who your audience is, as you know, I'm, I'm running a con, uh, coming up in June, uh, Fanquest. go to fanquestcon.com for more information. And, um, and I want to know who I should be trying to attract, who I should be marketing to for this convention. I want good customers to come to this event and buy
1: all, a lot of your stuff. So well, that's we're not job. up to th- that's not up to us in some regards. I'll say this about all these these twenty two episodes: we've learned a lot about our job too. Yeah, I think right, like having to go on record, Justin, when you say has like it's true. Yeah. Polish the edges of what you think about because so many
2: of us like we we never talk out loud about these things. We're all kind of in this alone for the most part, right? We kind of sit behind our screens and paint, and then we do conventions, and then we come back to the screen, and we never. We don't talk about the nitty-gritty very often
1: right and there's something um, I think that solidifies your notions of things once you have to say them out loud and Mm -hmm. then when you listen back to it you know we listen back to check the podcast for its you know quality control that's the word I'm looking for Um, you find yourself reflecting on your own answers in a way that I did not expect to happen making this podcast
2: have you noticed um the way you talk about conventions and your job now four years ago the way you talked about it and the way you talk about it now has changed just your answers and
1: oh maybe i think the questions have changed
2: yeah
1: do you think that's true like people ask different things when you were starting out than they ask now and there's this um uh like patina of admiration and knowledge that they think you know <laughs> you have the answer because you've survived that long mm-hmm. um like the grizzled old veteran you know that's who we are now grizzled i remember veteran.
2: pcp pipes and oh. when you couldn't take card transactions oh
1: man and then the days before <laughs> square the days before right. square oh my god when you would use actual change before you figured out how to round up your Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: (laughs) So, okay, here's a question. Do you guys... Now, you set your prices up for your your stuff, round it and make it... Even twenty bucks, twenty-five bucks, whatever, so that yeah. you don't have to give out change. Do you have to worry about taxes or anything like that at all in the different places you travel to? So yeah, we have
1: to register for state taxes. Like we have to pay, like when we're in the states, we have to pay our state tax. And you went to, you just came back
2: from. So for Seattle. example, yeah, in yeah. Uh, in Washington, uh, all the conventions are really good about this for people coming in from out of state. Uh, to give you a tax form. Yeah, to Emerald fill City Comic Con. Okay. Will supply a Washington state tax form for you to fill out and submit. And it's like super easy to do. It's not a, uh, not this so, stressful money. I mean, you you thing know, the trick is, I was afraid of,
1: if you're fine with claiming your earnings, there's no, no, nothing to well, fear should about fine. traveling over the, <laughs> over the border. There are some people who work in convention land who, you know, find it uh, a little bit more nerve wracking, I think because they're not being as forthright with, um, the monies they make over there. Okay. But since, uh, you know, we aren't worried about that. It's not something we have to be. So is it just like about.
0: you figure out how much money you made over the weekend, and then take a percentage of that, and that's the tax? Is that how it works? Basically. Okay. Yeah. So that's
1: but the customer doesn't yeah. worry about that. The customer doesn't. No. And so so that's the trick, right? We have to worry about our taxes. Our accountant has to worry about our taxes, and uh, Ottawa has to ask us about our taxes. But we want to make sure that the customer has no barrier for math. Right, like it really mm-hmm. comes down to that. It has less to do with like us trying to be generous with like including the tax, and more to do with the average person um, who's making an impulse purchase sometimes. Yeah, right. Having to calculate an extra $1.72 somewhere along the way is enough to dissuade them. Whereas if they just you know take out that folded twenty. Oh, it's twenty dollars. I happen to have
2: twenty dollars. There you go. Which right. most, you know, most people who come to a, a comic convention hit an ATM or hit the bank before. Yeah. They have like their their budget in twenties, and that's usually what we see, right? Like a, yeah. a bank envelope of like yeah. money, and like this is what I get to spend over the next four yeah, people days. People on a budget. And then the other thing with that
1: is you round up or round down. So like some things I have, it's actually a little bit of a loss to sell it for twenty. Oh. But the ease to sell it at that price point is worth the it increases the number of sales
0: and you make you make money on your other things and then
1: you make money on the other things and then other things we round up to 20 to kind of offset that you know and we i don't know what do you think about that?
2: yeah that sounds about right i my prices are totally based on ease for the customer um i think about changing them from time to time i'm always on the lookout for other people who might have a smarter pricing and i've seen some some things i might want to try at some point but uh yeah i i really yeah i don't want to have to hand out a lot of fives and and i don't want anything to do with change and i don't think anybody does on that floor um so yeah um and so
0: do you adjust for uh the exchange rate you were just in the states do you charge less
1: american than you would here in canada so I did on the books. I was willing to make a better deal if you were buying more than one book, if you were in the States because of the exchange, but I did not on the art and I didn't on the art because I walked through. Um, it's interesting you say that cause I wondered about that. This is, um, but you just walked around. I just looked around on the sixth floor at Emerald City Comic Con. What every all the American artists were charging for the comparable size and print quality and colors and that, and you know they were all charging the same. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so in, in really a um, a trip to a US Con and Justin, you do this quite quite a bit. Is is pretty could be more profitable for you. As a
1: Canadian, yeah, if the exchange is good, you know, sometimes well, it's, it's it not
0: good for us. If we were, to, yeah, we were to go shopping in the U.S. Uh, convention, but yeah. for you as a as a retailer, as a seller, yeah, it does good. a flip for us, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, the where you lose it though is in you know, the printing they have to do there, you have to pay in an American, and then yeah. your travel, you have to pay, yeah. right? You have yeah. to pay your hotels, you have to tables, yeah, tables, tables are all in American, <laughs> yeah, so. It kind of – that's partially why we don't adjust the price because it all has to wash out on both ends of our budget.
2: Cool. And
1: and, uh, how was the con, by the way?
2: Emerald City was great. Uh, I've been going there for five years now. Um, So the first three years I was in Artist Alley, and then the last two years I've been um, in the vendor hall. They did a bit of a – an arrangement switch. It used to be Artist Alley and vendors were all on kind of the same floor. And now they've changed it so Artist Alley is on a top floor and the vendors' room has gotten bigger, which I've never really liked when conventions did that, when they separated the artists in like another building yeah. or another room and put the vendors somewhere else. I've never really liked that.
1: I understand their logic, but I, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to say this about Emerald City Comics first time I had ever done Emerald City. And I did 25 shows last year, and this show had the most comics at it of any comic convention I've been to in uh, the last couple of years. Most comics, like just self-published? Like people selling self-published comics, people selling uh, like resellers of comics, like Golden Age comics, people with, you know, trade paperbacks at a discount, you know, like actual comics. Comics. Way truly more truly a me. comic convention, yeah. Wow, and like the comic publishers were all there. You know, yeah. Boom was there, Dark Horse was there, Image was there. You know, like, and
2: the art—the sixth floor artist alley was just like, I—the artwork at Emerald City is by like I do, yeah, close to thirty shows a year. I only buy artwork at Emerald City because the artwork at that show is just seems to be above and beyond anything else. The
1: um, the
2: artist alley is artists. organized
1: by. The alphabet, like they organize it alphabetically into sections, but really it's all AAA artists
2: in there basically. Like there were some people that... And is it juried? It's a little juried, right? I don't... I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I knew. We, we were a, in vendors, yeah, so we didn't have a jur the process. To be fair, I got in because uh, Connor McCready,
1: who uh, writes Kill Shakespeare, among other things, um, couldn't make it to the show, and he had a spot in vendors and said, you know... Um, I've talked with the showrunners and forwarded them your work, and they said that we could swap out spots. Nice. Um, I think really what he wanted to make sure is that he kept chain of title on that spot, so he <laughs> didn't want it to go to me. He just wanted to arrange with the, the showrunners for me to take still over his temporarily. spot.
0: But you were selling your stuff at his That's spot, right.
1: so this way he gets dibs on it next year. That's right. That's right. Shop smart. Shop smart. You got
0: that? Getting back to the whole artist alley and vendors thing. Again, I, I think about this as well. Um, now we're our, we're a small convention fan quest. We're not to the point where we we're going to have like a, a separate artist alley. But I was never really, I don't know, I, 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 I kind of understand that idea, but I like to mix things up as well. Uh, why do you think uh, everything should be mixed together and, and artists shouldn't be separated out?
2: Well, and I had I had kind of a question here too about um, somebody who's, you know, run a convention and be involved with running a convention. Artist Alley and vendors. Like, what is the definition of the person supposed to be in Artist Alley? And what is the definition of the person supposed to be in vendor?
0: Uh, well, the way things are shaping up for FanQuest, almost all of our vendors are artists. It's just the way it's it's gone. Like, almost, I think we have one or two retailers as far as collectibles, stores, or video game stores, um, I think we have one, we have one used video game retailer, one collectibles, maybe two if this other person comes on board, and um, but everybody else makes their own stuff, and so that to me that's what the definition of an artist is: is somebody who creates their own products, whether it be comics or prints or. Um, knitted things and or or stuffed animals or whatever you know they've had to they've actually created the things themselves right and that not is had it manufactured not not ordered it in from somewhere else right. and reselled or, re, or reselling old snes cartridges and stuff like that yeah um so that's to me is the definition of an artist as far as like putting them in an artist alley yeah kind of a thing
1: which is what a lot of con- where did that start did that start like back in the day is okay that so that- um Now, some of this is just my opinion, but a lot of that is uh, sort of wool gathered from talking to other artists at a lot of different shows, New York Comic Con in particular. There's like a class system that seems to have remained in comic book land that's left over from this notion of like comic shows used to be this and this is how they should be. Right. Right. It should just be the comic book makers and the artists and the writers, and they should all be in their own space. And because a lot of those voices who are extremely talented um, are voices, I think, that the conventions are listening to. They're saying, okay, well, we'll put you in your own space so that you don't have to worry about the cosplayers as much. And you don't have to worry about the guys selling Transformers stories as much. But I think that that is, in hindsight, you know, a really narrow viewpoint Um, What about the people who came for toys who could discover an artist? Right. Right? Yeah. What about the people who came for cosplay and then discovered, you know, somebody doing a pen and ink drawing of a character and seeing the actual craft that goes into it? By separating the two, the accidental cross-pollination is absent. And I think that in the long run, that hurts, you know, the industry. Yeah, so so we're and we're mixing it up, and we did it
0: last year. We only had the one space in FanQuest last year, like the one main hall. So we did mix things up uh, again, mostly artists. Like I, I found the artist community here in Winnipeg to be very supportive of us, and we're very grateful for that. Our our new um, our new space at Red River College sold out in like two days. If yes. that it was like boom, we put the put them up, and they're like yep, yeah, we're 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 getting, them. we have like a twenty person wait list. So lots of people want to get in, which is great. Now I feel it's my responsibility mm-hmm. as a showrunner. To bring in the customers. And that, that's how I, that, that's my job, to promote yeah. the yeah. show, to get people to come. Um, part of what we do at FanQuest is we want it to be an inclusive experience. So you pay your $20 at the door, whatever the, day, the price is, and that's all you have to pay except for buying stuff. So when you do everything else... So the no coin, autograph fee, nothing like that. No autograph <laughs> fees, no um, Q&A fees, no reserved seating or anything like that. It's all like... You can go and play in a video game tournament. You can go play a tabletop game. You can go, and we want all that stuff to be inclusive as well. Because another thing we've noticed at some conventions is that you know you got your tabletop gamers there, um, but sometimes again they seem to be separated, yeah. And uh, and nobody kind of feels like oh I can just walk in and start playing, which is
1: it's what yeah. these people want. I have yeah. talked to these guys; they want new players. They want people coming in. Well, and try what I like it. about that, just as a just as a concept, right, is that. If I, you know, I have an eight-year-old and I have a six-year-old, actually just turned seven, uh, they could come in and see all that stuff, even though I might have an agenda. You know, it's like yeah, you I didn't might,
2: have to go to another room to see. That's that, right. Like, I
1: might be super into one aspect of a comic show, right? And I, you know, I always go to artist alley, and I always want to check that stuff out. I want to see the the way the sausage is made, sort of. But you know how the sausage is. You make the sausage. Yeah, <laughs> everyone makes it different. The spices are all different, <laughs> and I'm always looking for the secret, right? Um, but my kids are, you know, they're around that. That's like, you know, oh, dad, this is what you do. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> So, I can't believe that your kids think that way. You're, you're a comic book creator. That's pretty cool. Okay, they're into it in the way that an eight-year-old and a six-year-old can be into things. Okay. Um, but I think as they get older, the the mysticism of it... You know, like other people... My father was a stockbroker, and other people find that to be like very peculiar as a profession. But to me, it's just like, oh yeah, that's how the stock market works. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, Because I grew up with that as dinner time conversation. So that's what they have. What I was saying is that if I bring them on my, what I want through a show that isn't so um, stratified, right? If everything's all mixed up, then we're passing by all these opportunities for them to see all these other aspects of it. Literally on a fan quest. There you go. That's part of the reason that's, that's the name of the right? show. So this, I like that.
0: I feel like this is turning into an infomercial for fan quest. I don't I don't want it to be that. Okay, let's talk but. badly about fan
1: quest for a while and we'll feel okay. <laughs> All around the world, from as far off as the Caspian Sea, people have been running up to Bill and acting like idiots. Why must you be one of them? Because now it's my turn. I mean, don't you want to go over there and talk to him and see what he's like? I mean William Shatner made us who we are today. But do you want to insult the man? Just respect his space. I do respect his space. It's the final
0: frontier. Okay, so let's talk about your audience and your customers. Uh, Before we started recording, Justin, you mentioned that. uh, Something about you have to kind of establish your presence at a certain con before you start to get repeat business.
2: We were talking about that this weekend. Um, So, yeah, I've been going to Emerald City for five years, and a couple of my other friends uh, have been going there, you know, uh, for three years, two years kind of thing. And we've noticed around the the three-year mark is when the customer loyalty and return customers really become apparent. A lot of people coming up saying, we were looking for your booth. We're so glad you're back. We want to get, like, we have eight of your pieces already. We want to see what's new. That conversation happens around year three.
1: Yeah, and I can give a good example of that because it's my third year doing Vancouver, right? It was my third time doing the Vancouver Fan Expo, which is just above Seattle. Right. And so Seattle, which was a new show for me, I had lots of people who it was like, oh, I've never seen this before. Oh, I don't know about these books. Oh, your art is different, you know, whatever. And and it felt like I was resetting. It was like back at the beginning of my career for a whole portion of it. But then, you know, there was at least a couple hundred people who came down from the Fan Expo in Canada. They do both shows. Yeah, because Toronto and Seattle are... Yeah, like, yeah an, an hour, hour away from each other. Yeah, yeah. and so the, I felt... I could see really clearly the difference between my new potential customer and my old loyal customer.
2: Somebody and, won over already.
1: Right. I mean. And what was really fascinating to me, because it's I haven't had this clear delineation between the two at a table in a long time, the old customer that was standing there, their enthusiasm for the work, became infectious on the people who were just browsing. Like, you know, someone ran up and they're like, oh, you're here. I didn't get your stuff at the last show. I missed it. It was the last day and you were sold out or whatever. You know, I'm going to take this. 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 And uh, everybody you know, else's eyes just Yeah, widen. and then the people around them feel like... <laughs> What did I miss?
0: Like, well, there, what, there is something. Guy? Whenever you go to a new show, you've got to plant somebody to do that. <laughs> yeah. You've got to get somebody. You can do it to each other. Yeah. Just to come up to Greg's table and say, hey, hey oh, you're here. And then do the vice versa. Dear listeners, if you want to be part of our
1: street team, <laughs> please reach out to us on social media. This is
2: also why we're always, um, we stress the point of making new stuff so mm-hmm. much. Like, we, we run into a lot of artists who. Who are getting grumpier and grumpier because they go to the same show year after year after year with the exact same portfolio that they started with, and around year three, they have like taken a nosedive in in sales and traffic, and they're still they're wondering what's changed about the convention. Yeah, and what's changed
1: is that they haven't changed.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the case for almost. I used to work retail, and that's the case for uh, every retail is you always have to have new inventory. You can't yeah. just keep the same inventory in your shelves and expect to sell it. Yeah. So it's the same kind of idea. Uh, now, do you guys quickly, uh, just as an aside, do you, mm-hmm. do you debut your new stuff at conventions? I know you. S- do you sell stuff online as well?
2: I do. I. Uh, I always sell it for a couple months at conventions right. before it goes online. So yeah. Yeah. It, we I'll... give
0: preferential treatment to the people who are boots yeah. on the ground. With yes. Us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense too. That that's like, and people so that gives people a reason to come to the convention to get your stuff first. Yeah. It's, it's like the difference between uh, watching a show, TV show live on, on cable. Uh, if you don't have a cable subscription, you have to wait for it to come out on DVD or something yeah. like that. Right. You know what I mean? So that's the difference. But uh, no, that makes sense totally. It's so,
2: so also so much funner selling in person when somebody says, oh, I'll just get it online. It's almost like disappointing. I, I have no joy. I find no joy in shopping
1: <laughs> online. I actually yeah. kind of hate it. I, I really don't well, like it. Well, you know, there's another part, the... Um maybe the masochist in me likes this part you can also see people who hate your work face to face oh and i think that that is really important as a creative person right like so um you set up about your show and you put your display together and people will walk by and you can watch their body language and if they their eyes widen and they turn you know they square their shoulders towards the booth right there's their interest you see the opposite of people who seem like you know oh, this is not for me, they scrunch up their face and they turn away and they just like, you know, those two people are usually friends. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes they're friends. Um, But that, you know, love it or hate it as long as you feel something, right? That's the key. Like art that makes people go, meh. Right, that's when it cuts. When someone's like, hey, you know, honey, what do you think about this? And they just shrug and they're like, yeah, eh, not yeah. for me. That's when I'm like cut right to the <laughs> bone It just. Great, so he just drops, oh. Oh yeah, you know, I don't mind if they hate it. And I like it when they really like it. But if there's no, if there's just apathy, then I have failed as an artist. Uh. That doesn't happen very often, though, does it? Uh, sure, plenty. Uh, well, I mean, think wow. of this. thousands of thousands upon thousands of people that stream by over the course of a convention. You know, we were there for four days. Four days.
2: Oh my God. How big is this? How many people at the show? I want to say it's over a hundred thousand. Okay. I don't know how. I don't much know what the final numbers it's were. This product. time. Yeah.
0: So that to me sounds like one of the biggest shows, other than San Diego on the There's on the West Coast.
2: Like San Diego and New York are like toe to toe, and then Denver, Denver, Emerald City are are really big as well. I'm not sure where it goes from. But around. is there anything
0: like as far as the West Coast goes, there's not really a big convention in Los Angeles, is there? Is
1: there I think there's, there's a probably few, small well, DesignerCon um, is in LA and there. are
2: WonderCon, yeah, WonderCon's not that big.
1: So we are also Canadian. So if there's anyone listening who knows, you know, which US shows we should definitely be checking out. Just yeah. let yes, us know. Yes, absolutely.
0: Right. Um, okay so let's talk about your customers then and your repeat customers. So these are people do you find that in marketing we like to think Talk in terms of demographics and generalities, and I don't know that that's always the best way to go
1: about things. Well, we can talk about one of them in particular that it's always true. Okay, what, Tell me Right? Here's something that's always true, no matter what field you're in, right? It's just economics. 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your repeat customers. Yes. Right? And that's true no matter whether you sell shoes or art or, you know, rocket ships. Right. I want to buy a rocket ships. Yeah, right. Um, we'll talk to Elon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. on first name basis. We'll put a good word with Mr. in Musk. with Elon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Musky. It's mister to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just, that part's true. Right? Okay, and but what is your what does your repeat
0: customer look like? Like do they have do you notice certain things about them? Is is there a general is there are there a certain
1: age range or um, you know, Yeah, so one of the things okay, so when Justin and I set up side by side at a show, people say, Well, don't you feel like you're competing against each other? But our customers Yeah, he's shaking his head vigorously. No. Our customers are so different that we rarely cannibalize sales from one another. But when the Venn overlap happens, we usually get someone who gets from both booths. So um, why don't you talk about who your people are and then I'll tell them by contrast. Who you just I. Think,
2: I think, um, a, a younger couple like between like 20 and 30, like a, a couple, um, who's into nerdy things together. They always find, they'll each find stuff that they like at my booth. Like, Oh my God, there's secret of him. I love that. I grew up with that movie. Oh, and he's got like the Gundam stuff too. So and then my the way my my pricing structure works is always um, the more you get the cheaper it gets kind of thing. So they right. always find two that like really draw them in. They find like two more that they agree on. They both like so that younger um, couple is is always almost like I can I can see them coming. It's like I'm sell- I know I'm going to make a sale to those guys. Like they're gonna buy something. I can tell already just by the eye contact. And then and if I can just interrupt yeah. for a second, just uh, observe that.
1: You know, it's not insidious. This is literally the democratization of art, right? Right. We're selling stuff that if you were putting it up in a gallery, right, and we do gallery shows and we do stuff in original, we would ask five hundred to a thousand dollars for the originals. But here as a print, a person that likes something can pay ten dollars, can pay twenty dollars, and they can have the same joy yeah. as someone right. There's, it removes class. That's my favorite thing about this. So when we see people who are like, Oh, and they're gonna be our customer, it's not because right, we're like, oh, there's the mark, right? Oh, that's the roof. It's that (laughs) here's something we made where like our excitement and their excitement matches and we have taken down the barrier of the gallery to allow them access to it. And that's like my favorite thing
2: about going to We're also, we're both, it's kind of nice. We don't have to be pushed. We don't need to sell it to them. It's right there. There's nothing really more to it. If you like it, you're going to go for it. If you don't like it, you're going to walk away. It's not like we, we have to sell it to them. It's just like, you know, it's yeah. Pick it so up.
1: I observe in Justin's customers too. A um, often there are groups of friends who all like different stuff. Like that's um, my second favorite. Yeah, second. Favorite. So you have like four <laughs> or five, uh, you know, men or four or five women who arrive as a group. You know, like their their con crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them will point out something that they want, and then they'll all see something they want. Then they'll read the pricing scheme and realize that if they all buy it together, it's ten dollars each instead of twenty. Right, And And so then they they go away and they have a little like, you know, tete-a-tete and they put all their money together and then they say, okay well, we'll take these 10 things. And in the end, you know, they've all paid half price as a result of being friends who like the same stuff.
0: And that's because your work is somewhat diverse in your fandoms that you cover and and that kind of stuff. Like it's not just whatever.
2: Yeah. What I like, I draw and I kind of like stuff all over the place. And yeah, I think some people... Like You're a well
1: rounded you... nerd, so there's something. Yeah, that kind of way. That's
2: right. whereas most people are start like, you know, they do like the classic sci fi. Like it's all Star Wars stuff and Back to the Future stuff and like that 80s, you know, great movies from like earlier. Some people do like only anime stuff. So, That's, yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. I,
0: was, I was kind of getting at that. Like a yeah. lot of people are just focused on one fandom, be it comic, like superheroes or, or anime
1: or um, Star Trek or Star Wars. I guess Wars, it's
2: usually like what their style works best with.
1: Yeah and then when people so when you're developing that customer base what I've also seen so I started 100% fan art free and I did that for years and then there's just people just kept asking me for certain pieces and certain pieces in my style and then I you know I have maybe about 10% maybe 15% of my total catalog at a show um, would be considered fan art and the rest is my own IP Um, and I've seen the reverse happen in Justin's where his He's gone from like 100 percent fan art to like 30 percent of his own IP in there, and growing. Like every show, there's a little bit more. And people who are into the style, right? That's what they're buying now. Yeah, you know, they like the composition. They're um, a little bit more uh, of an aficionado. You know, but it for took lack that of a better two, word.
2: three years of the loyalty thing before right. you know they first came because of ooh the the Gundam piece. I love that piece. But now year two, year three. Well, what's yours like i want your stuff now
1: he has this wonderful painting of just like a you know it's like a shattered vector woman in purples and she's she sold like,
2: out so quickly said, yeah oh, she's just it? walking
1: and it's just like it's a hundred percent original piece and it's a top seller for him and you know and i have um uh these crossroads guardians girls that are yeah and we have one in the studio here mm-hmm. right um every city i go to you know like the symbol on it is confusion corner from <laughs> I was winnipeg i to say that's hilarious and every city i go to this is a top seller for me. There's just something about it that connects with people. And it's, it's, it's so gratifying when your own work that is not derived from some other fandom creates a new fandom. We are creators. We are gods. And gods never die.
0: Great. tell me about your customers and what, they, what you noticed about
1: them. So my wife uh, came with me to um, New York Comic Con. That was um, her
2: first convention ever, right? The first
1: time she'd ever stayed with oh, me for wow. a whole yeah. show. you know, And I've been doing this for 10 years. It's the first time. And so what it came down to is, hey, you know, I'm doing a lot of shows this year. dear. Do you want to come with me to a few of them? No, I don't. You know, you know that's not really my scene. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll find another helper for New York Comic Con. And she said, I will do that show <laughs> with you. Going to New York? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but she was, it, was, it was really wonderful. But she had a great insight into who she, she classified a huge, she said about three out of every 10 of your customers look like movie directors, right? Male or female. She says they're just, you know, and she said the other group look a little bit like architects and then the other group are super into metal, (laughs) right? And this is, but about 70% of my um, like selling is to women. Okay, You know, like it's for some reason and I don't think of my work as being particularly like, um, focused in that way I'm not like aiming at it that way but there's something about the compositions or something about the you know, like presentation of a female form that I do sometimes That's my wife's um, uh, the way she parses it is to say you know like how you are representing women is why women like your stuff but I don't see it necessarily as you know I don't understand what the big deal is but I'm glad that they're connecting with it okay so uh, and what about age of the is it an older. So audience? mine is older, yeah. yeah. Okay. So my um demographic is like th- the majority of my sales are probably to people in their thirties and above. So um, you guys
2: are gonna kind of covering all your bases? Here. Yeah, yeah, we, we often share tables or tables side by side and at first it was definitely like, okay, well, Greg knows what he's doing, is he going to steal my sales? And I'm yeah. sure you had like the same reservations <laughs> like it looked
1: like they'll be like Forget that guy. Come look at this thing.
2: Exactly, exactly. so it's not like that,
1: right? (laughs) And because my work is, you know, I talk about it. It's like a Venn diagram between 40s propaganda, 30s pulps, and 60s style guides. It's a very different look and feel. Like if you grew up anywhere near a stack of old comics, you can smell the DNA of that in the work that I'm doing. Whereas if you grew up playing video games and watching manga and and... Uh, watching all those movies, then you see that DNA in the stuff that Justin is doing. And those are two different kind of mindsets, mm-hmm. right? And it, it, it leans to two different demographics. And then when we combine that together in the books that we work on, it's great because now all of those people become the customer.
2: Yeah, often what we'll do is we'll we'll set up side by side and in the middle is a stack of all our books. So when I'm directing my customers over there, then Greg can kind of talk to them as well. And we're, we talk about... Our collaborations and yeah it's worked out okay so and far.
1: The other way that we've accidentally built loyalty is that Justin and I both you know we spend a lot of time working digitally. All our, my, all my finishes are digital. Uh, Justin paints mm-hmm. in um, Adobe Illustrator
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so we don't get a lot of time to just get our fingers dirty and so what we started what we both started doing is just doing a free drawing. Other people charge for sketches at cons like that's a regular thing but we just started doing it for free. If you bought a book We'll draw something in it just for you. I
0: think you mentioned that on a previous episode. You talked about how that realization came to you. Yeah, and
1: that was, you know, it's so fun, number one. But it also, people realize that, you know, we're not just interested in a quick sale there. Once they've decided to buy it, now we'll actually spend some quality time with you, sort of, you know. And I think what happens, the reverse that shows is as soon as the sale is locked, they're passed off to someone to complete it. Right. Take their money and send them on their way. And they get the reverse experience. Um, And so as I get busier and as I get helpers at shows and I'm doing that, I'm still trying to build in an intact moment at the end. So, yes, someone can take your money. Yes, someone can pack it up or get that ready for you. But they'll still try to fit in that time to say, OK, you know, you're going to spend your time. You're going to spend your money. I'm going to spend a little bit extra just for you
0: um but another thing i noticed you doing this weekend just following your instagram story yeah. and you, you know, if you guys don't follow greg on instagram please do g at gmb chmichuk yeah gmb uh, ch and at chasing artwork justin Although well, justin you notice you post more of your work there which is awesome but yeah not so much
1: the you're really into the stories i see that you you really love the you treat snap. it as a
2: diary right? yeah, yeah i yeah. treat it like
1: a diary it's kind of cool so my social media is not you know like other people are like oh it has to be on brand it has ah. to be this that be whatever you are your brand right so i just decided that cool stuff that's happening i'll share with other people who aren't don't get to be there um so
0: i noticed on your instagram story that you you had a commission this weekend yeah um so that's
2: also part of what you do at conventions is you and you do those justin as well i used to not so much anymore i again yeah um Drawing pictures in the books, and sometimes on the back of prints, I'll do a quick little sketch, which so, is another trick I stole up to you, from
1: you. Now, did you complete that at the con? I did. So here's the thing. I almost never do commissions at okay, shows. Okay. I don't like it because it takes away from the time that I can sort of give that service away for free, which sounds funny and counterintuitive. <laughs> but people are happier to get a 10-minute sketch for free sometimes than they are to spend $500 having me draw something you know, for hours. Um, and I don't like it either because then I don't get to interact it takes your with half,
2: people. It half your day away right. from yeah, right, right. the rest but of the But this
1: yeah. just sort of worked out great. I couldn't – my card reader wasn't working. And I didn't know sort of how I was going to solve that problem. But I was like, okay, fine. I just can't solve it. And then a fellow came over to me and asked me for a commission. And it was a great – the book was full of all these greats, like David Mack was in there, and you know, uh, Bruce Tim was in there, and all these other people, and I just felt so honored. I didn't want to turn it down. And it had the greatest theme. Some people collect sketchbooks, and they just write a theme on the front, yep. and then they have the artist interpret that theme. It was just someone in a hat. <laughs> right? And I love the Phantom Detective, and he always wears a hat, so I, just, I knew exactly what I was gonna do, so I said yes. And then it turned out that he was the vendor across the aisle from me. So I said, listen, how about this? You know, I normally charge between 300 and 500 bucks for a commission, but if you do me a favor and help me run my card transactions for the weekend, we'll call it even, right? So, I mean, he thought that was a huge saving, but for me, it was like an absolute lifesaver as far as, you know, keeping the. Keeping the great machine turning at the show. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So I had fun drawing something, you know, I got to pick it. You know, if someone comes and says, I want, you know, Harley Quinn on a motorcycle, then you don't get a say in a commission. But right. this one was you just got to interpret it. So I got to draw something I thought was fun, in a style I thought I wanted to do, and he got what he wanted and I got a service. We kinda bartered. That's kinda cool. Yeah. yeah so it worked out great. So thanks for noticing. <laughs> well, no,
0: I was, again, I was again following along the uh, the uh, stories. I mean, it, to me, it just blows me away how how well Instagram stories have taken off because um, it is it really is a blatant rip off of Snapchat. Um yeah. and, a Snapchat, and I was never a Snapchat person. I tried to get into it. Yeah. Have you ever tried Snapchat?
1: Yeah. Again, it's aimed at a different demographic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was following along and I saw your adventures in Seattle and you went to the you went to the original Starbucks. We did, uh. yeah. <laughs> it looks like
1: every other Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. it's a little <laughs> underwhelming. It's, yeah. But the idea to, is monumental. But. We're, uh, you know, we're starting off a few, we're at the sort of burgeoning stages of a few endeavors right now. Nice. And so I said, you know, like, let's go just stand in a place where things spread from. Because Justin was like, ah, it's not such a big deal, and I was like, no, the magic, the mystique, the mystery. He's like, it's like every Starbucks. It and is. Forget it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we did go to an amazing chowder place though. Oh right man, by there.
2: Pike Place chowder like this—you have to line up half like an hour before Nazi it opens. Place,
0: like that kind of thing.
2: Mm, well, <laughs> they get your soup and get out of here. But <laughs> yeah. it's just amazing chowders, and it's a Seattle tradition. I thought you were making tradition. it
1: up. He's like, there's this place in Seattle where people line up around the block for chowder. I'm like, no, they don't, but yeah, let's go for chowder. And we got there early, and then within 10 minutes, the lineup was stretching around the whole place. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and
2: was it worth the wait?
1: It was delicious yeah. chowder, yeah. yeah. See anything you like? So and I saw you recently
0: at, uh, now you weren't there, Justin, but your, your work was there. Your table was there at Winterfest uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. And I noticed as I was passing by, and I'm very aware of not to... Um, interrupt you when you're in the middle of talking, but I did, uh, you know, I just kind of look at some prints and I noticed in the back of, of your prints you have a little Super Pulp Science flyer that you've got in every single print. Yeah. Uh, just on the backboard kind of thing, which is awesome because that
1: promotes your Patreon and that yep. whole thing. Do you promote this podcast at shows? So what happens is yes, but not in a like overt way. We're thinking about doing it a little bit more overtly at the Calgary Expo. Okay. But what's happened now is it has been a word of mouth thing. People always ask... And I mean, they ask you all the time. They ask everyone in comments, how'd you get into it? How'd you start? What do I need to know? Anyone who asks me that question, I tell them about the podcast. I say, listen, we made this for that exact reason. So come and check it out.
2: We've also, um, so I, I'm going to make some some Super Pulp Science uh, podcast flyers for my next couple of shows um, because of business cards. We've, I've oh. learned over the last year or two. That uh, I used to do what everybody does. I would bring hundreds of business cards to every convention, and I would hand them out. You can go through 500 business cards in two days at a big show. Like, or they th- will just fly. You know, four-day you-
1: show, you can do 1,000 business cards. Wow. Yeah,
2: which starts to add up after a while if you're doing a lot of big shows. And the return on that was, like, very negligible. Like, it was, it was very, you know... One or two emails and yeah. a little bump in, in social media, but nothing. And what I started
1: to observe is that what people do with cards, why they want the card, is a way to naturally end the conversation when in a complimentary free, way. Can, right. right. Yeah. They, right. Well,
0: I, I, I'm not going to buy your stuff, but I'll take your card. That's right. There you go. Right. So, yeah. And they feel okay about leaving you without yeah. buying something. Yeah. And this Which is
2: something is that kind of yeah. happened because I forgot cards at one show, or like I, it was like Chicago or something like that. I didn't have any cards. But I have this huge banner with Chasing Artwork, and then like all my little social media icons under it. So I started getting people to take pictures. Like I don't have a card, but take a picture of Chasing Artwork. Everything I do is under that name, and the amount of feed, like uh, social media bumps and like
1: Way high. tangible yeah, feedback yeah. I got
2: was like five times what yeah, I would get I have handing a out by 18
1: cards. Twenty eighteen card that I have, like a big card, a card that won't fit in your pocket. So people say, oh, do you have a business card? I say, yes. And I like lift up this huge thing (laughs) and everyone laughs. And they're like, what am I going to do with that? I'm like, well, you can take a picture of it. And that's how it fits in your pocket. That's right. That's right. And it, you know, it's exactly that. You get way more engagement because someone gets 50 cards at a show. And then they just resent all those sharp edges in their pocket and throw them away or put them in the bag and say, oh, I'll look at them. But they very rarely will. And then we both keep a sort of a, a cache of actual business cards for case. business. Yeah. <laughs> right. When someone is wanting to do business, you know, a publisher comes, uh, a commission person comes, someone who's interested in branding or interested in storytelling, then we give them that and you see a direct one-to-one. But the trick that I use mostly for that, even as I skip the business card, I take out my phone, I open up an email and say, the best way to keep in touch with me is send an email to yourself right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay.
1: And then they ping themselves, right? They put in the thing and they send it off to themselves, and now we're connected. I just
0: think a business card has kind of lost meaning for us because there's so many of them yeah. out there that are
2: saturated um, for yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: And even if, and I know many people do put their social media on a business card, but it's just not that connection isn't there. Whereas if they take a photo, yeah, that's a great idea. They can just kind of, oh, yeah, and they, they're scrolling through their photos from the con. When they get home or whatever, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I saw this guy, and I
2: should follow him on Twitter.
0: And then they'll and go and follow you on Twitter. Yeah, You, you should have th-
2: consistent branding, too. Like, if your booth is called Quirkylicious, right? And I Shout out should Quirkylicious. Ha- Shout out to Quirkylicious. Your, all your social media, everything you do should be Quirkylicious at Tumblr, Quirkylicious Instagram, on DeviantArt, right, like that. So it, you should just have to Google that, and everything yes, should pop yes. up. We shouldn't have eight different website iterations for me to try to type out, right? Yeah. Like Good point, good point. Excellent point.
0: Justin's pretty good at branding.
2: i try. (laughs) He's pretty good.
0: Okay, so as I'm walking around Artist Alley at Winterfest, I noticed that you, now
1: Greg, you have a great difference. You stand in front of your table. When I can, yeah. When it's allowed at a show, I okay. do. Okay, yes. and is it sometimes not allowed? Some, show, some shows, they don't want you to. They'll put in the clause saying, like, you know, the vendors must be behind the but table. But when you
2: stand in front of your table, you've pulled your table back, so yeah. you are not outside your footprint, so which usually
1: I think is really important. Issue. So yeah. okay. if, if it's if uh, if I can configure it to be in front of the work, then I do.
0: And you have a chair for yourself, yeah. and you sit down, so you don't yeah. like you're standing the whole time. But I do notice that you, you're, whenever I see you, and, and Justin you as well, you guys are standing you're not sitting down. Oh, Whereas no. when I walk around the artist alley, also, I do notice quite a few people who are just sitting there at their table, behind their table, stuff's uh, laid out, and they're, they're just da- sitting there. Is there a difference between sitting and standing? Do you find you're engaging the customer more? Yeah.
2: Standing up, eye contact, hey, how's it going? Everything's right there if you'd like to look through, and then I kind of take a step back and let them have their way with my portfolio. This is another thing. <laughs> so here's the thing. Have
1: their way. <laughs> so I notice how I react to people's body language. So if I'm at a table and there's someone sitting and they're, you know, on their phone or they're eating or they're doing whatever they're doing and they're sitting, they're kind of turned away from the table. And then I'm engaging with their work and then they stand up and enter into my personal space, right? In a flourish, which is usually what happens. Um, My natural inclination is to be slightly off put by that. Like I withdraw from somebody like comes sweeping into me. But if someone is standing there already, right? And you then take that, Um, psychological transaction of stepping into their space it's it's a lot less disconcerting so I'm doing that partially because it's how I like to be treated right Is I want to be engaged on a you know I'm standing you're standing you know you're smiling I'm smiling you know everybody is having a good time um once we engage I often sit down to do the sketch but what that also serves the purpose of being now lower than them, so they can watch the drawing happen.
2: Where, where do you think we like? I don't remember when I made the decision to start standing. Like, was that just alertness
1: something? for me? It's alertness. Like, if yeah. you're going to be you're going to be working for four days, you can very easily slide into a slump of, you know, what? There's that old expression, right? Uh, wag the dog right yeah. the tail is going to change how the dog is thinking right so if you're sitting down and you're slumped over your cell phone and you're you know not engaged with people well then people aren't going to engage with you and you're in turn not going to be very engaging but if you you know assume the posture that is required for basic human engagement you'd be surprised how much more basic human engagement you will Engage in, Help, warp one, engage.
0: Uh, you guys are learning new things all the time, I assume, at, at these different events.
2: Oh, what was the new trick we just learned? That's
0: what I was going to ask. What are, what are some of the new things you've learned in the last little while? The Ooh. box
2: on the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't tell this one. This is great <laughs> Let's keep this one... No, no. There's only a so few hundred listeners. Greg, Greg discovered this trick, and, and I immediately stole it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Unabashedly, he took it from me. I told him I was going to, though, so...
1: Um, (laughs) visual space is important at a show in a way that's non intrusive on the customer, right? You can't like put a banner out in the, where people are walking. Although Justin did that one time. Um, (laughs) you can't do those. That was not me. (laughs) You can't do that kind of stuff, but you do need to have the capacity for people's eyes who are moving above the crowd, right? To touch the work and then move down towards the thing that is, you know, present for them and that can be really hard when you're flying right when we drive to a show we can bring all kinds of wild displays and that's great but when you have to fit it into a suitcase it doesn't work and so um this is combined with my tendency to like building forts with my kids <laughs> so whenever i see a pile of cardboard somewhere and show
2: floors are full at when they're being set up of just boxes when and yeah a huge booths like weta come everything's boxed up, but as they're unpacking everything, they're just tossing those boxes. They pile it in the
1: corner, and then yeah. the, you know, the Teamsters Union has to come and clear it all away. way. And uh, the Funko booths, which are everywhere, right, have these long, oblong boxes. So they're tall when you stand them upright. And they're the perfect size to hold um, 12 by 18. They're basically 24 inches across, so you can have two 12 by 18s, and you can have them in three or five ups, depending when you stack the box. So I just tape my prints all around one of these boxes and make a pillar, right? That is a
2: display a pillar. Beautiful art hiding the box behind it. Right. Oh. So
1: it looks like you built this incredible display or like how could you possibly travel with this? But it's really light and it's easy. And if it and when the show people come, they also inspect your booth sometimes because if stuff is stacked too high and it seems like a danger, right? They'll make you take it down. But like a box is not a danger. So they'll look at it and be like, Oh, okay, well, no problem. Um, And then it creates a hollow. We have clamps too, so we clamp the box to the table so it can't fall over. And then on the reverse side is a hollow where your point of sale machine can go, where your notebook can go, where your food, your drinks, all the clutter that makes a booth seem like a garbage Dumped because
0: really <laughs> you're living in the space for four days and it does become pretty filthy by the
2: time you're done. Yeah, Do so you have a picture t- of your booth on your Instagram from Seattle. As I should well? have. Yeah, yeah, there's one on there. Okay, for sure. so yeah. check yeah. that out on Instagram yeah. if you. Yeah, know. the yeah just that awesome little pillow of art yeah. right on your table and that was just yeah scavenging when the show started. Um, going he, back to standing as well, uh, me and my buddy at Seattle, you know, we're standing for four days on concrete floor, not great for your feet. So we also went and got some boxes. And uh, we didn't have those, you know, nice little plush mats that a lot of booths get, but we um, just stacked like cardboard mats for basically our feet. And I noticed that made a huge Makes difference, a big difference. Yeah, like, standing all day as well. So that's um, a good pro tip to save your feet.
1: You know, I'm nine, 10 years as a classroom teacher too. So standing all day is part for the course yeah, for me. So that, yeah. that's, that's not a big deal. Um, but the guys often make fun of me because I do yoga in the morning and then <laughs> yoga at night. And, you know, you got to your back is the only one you got, so you got to take care of it, right? So if you are planning to stand all day, it's uh, it's a lot more work than it sounds like. Um, anything else? I can't think of anything else to ask you guys. You don't have any questions? You have no more I don't questions know. for us. I'm blinking. That's it. After 22 episodes, about- we've that's that's <laughs> the only mysteries that have stood.
2: Um, proxies. What's that?
1: A proxy. We need a proxy. Proxy. My gosh! What if you're I listening, get at, in touch. Um,
2: what I did at Winterfest. Okay. So I, I could not attend Winterfest, unfortunately. So I had to get a friend man the booth for me. So it was not the artist selling the art at my table. And I, I'm not it's, sure. It's turning your
1: art setup, what we do, into a franchise. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea.
2: Right? Basically, Uh, but... But at Emerald City, like I had a lot of people coming up who were so thrilled that I was actually the artist because Mm -hmm. so many of the booths there, the artist is not there. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's a pretty common thing. So
1: we want to do that because there are, you know, 50 shows that we can't go to physically, um, but we'd like to get our work there. So we're currently um, accepting applications for trustworthy (laughs) proxies in Canada (laughs) and the US. Um, The trick being that working a convention for an art booth um, takes a certain type of psychology um, like i mean internally like you have to be good at the mental endeavor of being present for 40 hours over three days engaging pleasantly with people and answering their questions Um, it's not just about making the money you're trying to get them to say hey i had a pleasant time with this art and this brand so that they remember that pleasant time later you know when they find it again Um, so if you're out there get in touch
0: (laughs) (laughs) but but uh, the downside being that you you are not there to sign the piece if they want to have it signed you know there to draw your little sketches that you guys do that's right so that is the uh, that's kind of funny that they're just kind of people are are pushing back against that kind of thing because it's about the um, the genuine experience of yeah.
1: interacting yeah. with the artist, you know, and so bringing it back full circle to your original question, that's one of the strong arguments for the artist alley. Artist alleys
2: usually like have rules against proxies. Like if you're if a booth has a, a huge setup and the artist will not be there, there usually be can be found in vendors. If you can't, if you try to do that in artist alley, there's a good chance you'll get in trouble. Is artist it.
0: alley less expensive than the vendors?
2: It is. Okay. It's it's it built be. for. Beginners was kind of the general idea, like, mm. starting beginners out. Beginners
1: or, pro like, people who have credits. Yeah. Basically, it's you know, it's intended for someone who wants to break in, so they want to show their work to people, or people who have credits in books, so that um, if an editor is walking around, they may discover a new artist Right. in that way. So it's also, it has the ancillary sort of benefit to editors that all of those people that they might be looking for can be in one place. You know, uh, the... Uh, time that I got a meeting with Scholastic was because I was in Artist Alley. So there's a there is a benefit to certain segments of the Congors, but I think the majority of people who come to shows, right, should be shown the majority of things they are to see at shows. Yes,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And do people do that like at a at a con the size of um
0: Emerald City are people able to do that, do you think? Is that if you you would have to go there cuz it's so so big? you have to go over the like the whole 4 days to get to see everything right is that uh, the idea or do you
2: find that people just kind of go to one place or
1: 4 day pass holders try to see it all yeah, yeah. one uh,
2: day pass holders i usually ask so did you manage to see everything and, yeah, the and answer usually is no. it's emphatic yeah. no
1: but you know a lot of one day pass holders don't want to see everything and that's what yeah. i hear too it's like yeah. well i don't need to go to the cosplay panel and i don't want to go to see the celebrities you know i'm just here for you know, hard to find Lego and Funkos, and other right. people are like. Well, I just really oh, want to Funkos. get a sketch from Eric Larson. <laughs> the Funkos, right?
2: I think. Okay, <laughs> I didn't hate Funkos until I started doing conventions and their like overwhelming success and just how how. But wouldn't you love it if that was your Oh, absolutely! I yeah. People loved your... It's stuff totally just enough. me being like a grump about like Funkos everywhere, but. I,
0: I what they're I killing it. Yeah, no, they are. And I, what I don't get about it is that. Um,
2: we even have Funkos in the studio. Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but I, would I, I guess it's, um, it's like you can express your fandom. It's all these characters, and but the, I, I, you know, they all kind of look the same. That's the idea, right? They all have the same kind of big eyes and yeah. and that kind of this, thing.
1: It's spun out of that vinyl that, um, low run vinyl craze, sort of that happened for a while, big in L.A., where you know different artists, street artists would sort of. Paint over, the do overpaints over the, the monies. monies. Yeah. And like Funko is kind of a natural extension of that idea. Interesting. I mean it's 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 wild to watch. The
2: the huge booth at Emerald City is like a, a fifty by thirty booth and you cannot just go there to buy stuff, you have to have a ticket that you bought online to get in line for the, the Funko booth. Wow,
1: and then if they have stock left, as I understand it, then they do sell some. But for the most part, you know, it's it's, it's a all pre sold. People well, are just yeah. like super just picking pumped, up their Funko up because their it's funko.
2: An, an Emerald City exclusive. It was some kind of Batman.
1: I think that they had a Hulk and a Batman. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not into the Funko scene, but I what I like about it is that people, it makes them smile so much. Yeah. like it's like yeah. a, you know, it's a cartoon character or a um, you know, it's like, and they have from every fandom you can think of now, right, represented. You know, and what makes people happy, I guess, is The that's second fine.
2: the show floor opens, we'll know because people will suddenly be sprinting past to get into that line first. And I think I'm just bitter because I want that. For you me. want people to sprint <laughs> I to I want know. people to sprint to <laughs> my booth. You'll get there one day. Yeah, you have to, you know, keep it up.
0: You'll get there for sure. What is it, the next show you guys are going to? C2E2. You'll be at C2. We'll both be at C2E2. Calgary, right? And then oh, C2E2 is Chicago. Chicago. And then okay. Calgary. What is C2E2?
2: It's uh, the second weekend in April. Oh, damn it! And no, I'm going to be other than me. Yeah, second weekend in April, and then the end of April is Calgary, which is okay. like our. I'm going
0: to Chicago when you guys are going to Calgary. <sighs> all right, so.
2: Well, this has been Super Pulp
1: Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, in particular how we try to make it at shows this time. Um, I encourage all of you to join the fight and make comics.